Welcome to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. As always, I am your host, Chris Lestrino, founder and CEO of King's Crowd. Inside Startup Investing is a number one podcast for learning about the best startups and investors in the online private markets. If you are a startup investor, this is a show for you. This podcast is powered by King's Crowd's proprietary rating technology that helps us to uncover the best founders and stories that you need to hear about before clicking invest. Now, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, LawCloud, the premier solution for founders to prepare to raise capital online. Whether you need to file a Form C, a Form 1A, or a subscription agreement, LawCloud provides the lowest cost, easiest to use toolkit for founders to make raising capital online easier than ever. Now, on to today's show. Today, I am joined by the co-founder and CEO of Trulio. Uh, this is a really, really interesting company that I'm excited for you to learn more about. This is a business that King's Crow Capital will be investing in. Um, and we are sitting down with AT, who is the CEO. Uh, he has a really interesting story and a, a business that's doing quite well uh, and providing some really impactful technology that can be very, very positive to um, something that I think a lot of us really care about. So, I think you'll enjoy today's conversation, and I'm looking forward to learning more. So, AT, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. So, let's kick it off. AT, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to found Trulio. Sure, Chris. So, um, my background is quant finance. Grew up, uh, was a caddy, got a job at the Chicago Board of Trade. Started trading at 21, very young, but 21st birthday, sold 10 Delta call options in the agricultural pits. It went upstairs, learned to code, did a quant finance education, learned a bunch of math I don't need, uh, learned that the world is nonlinear, and um, and that herd mentality and probability and statistics and game theory is much more important than, uh, than formulas. Um, nonetheless, I traded until I was 30. Uh, throughout that process, I learned a technology called natural language processing. At one point, I had about 180 counterparties that I spoke to, and I was super interested in transcribing and analyzing what they were saying to me. Uh, ultimately, that became a product. My first company was called Green Key. That was founded in 2014. And what we did was we transcribed and analyzed banker phone calls. We made that type of language searchable. Uh, you can learn a lot from client insights, like what, why are they calling? What are they upset about? Uh, and so we created better sales and support people on Wall Street. Uh, that business was acquired in 2021, and uh, that, I did that business with my co-founder, Tejas, and I. And uh, we knew exactly what we wanted to, to do next. We wanted to take the same technology and principles we had been learning, um, although the technology's evolved and we could be 100 times better at what we do because things are now GPU accelerated. So we took what we learned on Wall Street, working with JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs and all those folks, and we apply it to policing. So we take our NLP expertise and we look at police through the lens of customer service, and we now transcribe and analyze police body camera videos in order to promote police professionalism to facilitate coaching and to mitigate any type of risky behavior. So obviously this is a, a very pertinent topic, one that I'm sure a lot of people are interested in learning more about. Um, how today, prior to Trulio existing, um, 
is this process managed? You know, obviously a lot of, it, I, I think that most cops in the United States now wear kind of a body cam when they're out on the streets, but um, how is that information being collected, gathered, and analyzed currently without your solution? So body cameras came out of the scene really like in early 2012, and then 14, we had Ferguson. We've had all these horrific police events where many states around the nation have now mandated, where I'm from Chicago, Illinois now has a body camera mandate uh, that every law enforcement department in the state has to have body cameras. Uh, and they have some period of time to do that. Um, but today, you've got 18,000 police departments in the United States, about 80% of them. Okay, so roughly maybe 16,000 departments have cameras. Uh, they're primarily big cities, suburbs, and surrounding areas where you don't see cameras are more rural, uh, low-population counties throughout the, the middle of the country, for example. Um, police create a lot of videos. So each officer has 10 to 15 interactions every single shift. And so you're looking at about 300 hours of body camera video per individual and a sergeant responsible for seven to 10 of these individuals. So roughly like 3000 hours of body camera videos that the sergeant is supposed to be responsible for uh, each month. So there's no surprise, should be no surprise when I tell you they don't watch any of the video, none of it. Unless there's a civilian complaint or a horrific use of force, they're not going to review any of that video at all. And we look at the video as an asset for training. Uh, if you can transcribe and analyze it as we do and surface the most important issues to the sergeant, you're going to facilitate coaching. And so those important items that we surface are things like noncompliance, right? So if there's going to be horrific use of force, it's all going to start when there's noncompliance. The officer is giving commands and the civilian's not listening. So we surface that, meaning we could take an hour-long video but instead, Chris, you're now a sergeant. We're taking right to the second that noncompliance begins. And we do that in a queue, very sophisticated, efficient, fast way to rapidly review video. And you can review hundreds of these instances on a Friday afternoon in 20 minutes. And you can click yes, no, I'm happy with the way my officer resolved that. Or no, I'm going to take some notes here and maybe do some coaching during our next performance review next week or the week after. Got it. So essentially, you're kind of acting as the true eyes and ears. It's like, yes, the cameras exist, but in some ways, the cameras are completely useless unless there's a massive event. Typically, the video footage just isn't even being looked at and utilized to improve and train all of those officers. That's correct. There's so many hours of video, it would be impossible to watch this as a human. So you need AI to curate the videos to just bring you to the seconds or the minutes of an hour-long interaction that that's valuable, that an office, that a sergeant can look at and really get a sense of how good or bad of a job an officer is doing. We like to say we create baseball card stats for cops, uh, and we create these cues for the sergeant to facilitate coaching, mitigate risky behavior, and really promote professionalism, Chris, because... What we see is the vast majority of their interactions are pretty good, they're pretty positive. Um, and so we can give the department that data to tell their story. Okay, so that's very important. They need that information, that data to localize their reputation and to insulate themselves from things that happen like in Memphis, for example. So you give the department the ability to tell their story. That's really important. It helps with retention, recruiting, morale, you know, just the officer wanting to work at that department, getting recognition for doing a good job. 
Um, and then if you're a young officer who's struggling to really gain compliance from people, we can give you the tips and tricks. We know the language that you should be saying. For example, you should be giving a lot of explanation. You should anticipate people are going to ask you questions because they're armed with a cell phone. They're going to feel safe behind that phone. They're going to ask you a lot of questions. You're going to have to be able to deal with that. And so we looked at the data and we could see officers that give more explanation have far better outcomes than officers that don't. Now, you talk about utilizing natural language processing. Obviously, you have to give it the parameters to know, okay, this is something that's within compliance and this would fall outside of that bucket. Can you just talk a little bit about how that technology works and the types of parameters that you're putting in there so that you can quickly capture and say, hey, here's the instances where they're... Sure. So we partnered with the FBI's National Academy's alumni. So that the FBI National Academy is like the top gun school for police across the country. Uh, the top 1% gets selected. They go live at Quantico for three months. If you want to become a chief of police in this country today, you need to go to Quantico and live there and go through special training like an FBI agent. And so we partner with this academy to learn about which types of labels and intents we should recognize. What are the important things? So for example, the events that we automatically detect are things like any use of force, frisking, pursuits, noncompliance, could be requests for medical attention, could be detainment arrests. So just these interesting events that are happening throughout the interactions, we surface those. Um, and those all become searchable. And then in terms of recognizing officer's language or civilian's language, we're looking for directed profanity, insults and threats. That's unprofessional behavior that results in worse outcomes for everybody. And what we do is we reward officers who are using professional language like giving explanation. Mm, that's really cool. So once this is kind of put in place, talk to us about some of the successes you've seen and improvements you've been able to help drive uh, by having this in place at different police departments. Yep. So we embed academics, so famous criminologists who are professors at various universities around the country. They got into some of the departments that we've been deployed at. Um, they're in like right now Anaheim and in Aurora, Colorado, two major cities. And um, they do random control trials and they basically measure the difference in the changes in language and outcomes between officers who are not using Trulio, officers who are have Trulio but only access to themselves, and then a third group of officers who have their sergeants and have to meet with them to get coaching. Um, we've done these studies. So we did a study, for example, in Alameda, California, also in Atwater, California. And uh, some of the, the metrics are really dramatic. For example, in Alameda, they had a 36% drop in use of force from when they deployed Trulio versus the prior year. And what's really cool about Trulio is we can analyze historical data. So you can get a really nice comparison between what's happened, uh, you know, the previous department and you, you know, you can account for seasonality and, and, and different things, but a 36% drop in use of force is pretty incredible. And what that tells us is that about a third of police use of force is cops talking themselves into the fight. Um, and cops are smart. So when they get analytics, they're a little bit more patient, a little bit more respectful. Uh, they really take their time. They know that something is watching them. And I think that's a good thing. I think that, um, you know, the tools can save careers. It can save officers from themselves. It can um, give officers the right incentives to to speak the right way. Now, in Atwater, interestingly, they saw a 30% decline in civilian noncompliance. 
So how does that happen, right? The civilians don't know anything's going on with the officer or their camera. The civilians are just simply reacting to better language, an officer who's willing to give them a lot more explanation. We hear this term de-escalation, you know, whatever that means in the data, I can tell you what it means. It means negotiation. It means the willingness to go into a back and forth conversation with the civilian versus just giving commands, right? Command, command, command. If you don't follow my command, I arrest you and take you to jail. We don't want that type of policing anymore. We want more negotiation. The country wants higher quality of service. So when you think about incentives and getting uh, police stations to sign up and utilize your product, first off, would just be helpful to know kind of like what the price point is on something like this and what that looks sure. like in an overall cost basis of a police you know, organization. And then second, though, is that what is the incentive for them to say, yes, we want to work with your tool, which for some, they might feel threatened by it, right? Where if you're being watched so much, you know, are you going to uncover things that I don't want to be known? But let yeah, me just totally. Yeah, so the pricing of Trulio is $50 per camera per month, and it slides down to $20 per camera per month, depending on your pricing. So um, on an average deal is about $75,000. So, um, you know, if you're looking at 100 or 150 officers, they think of Trulio as like a virtual sergeant, right? So they think of it as just like another officer's salary, but this officer doesn't get sick, doesn't get injured, doesn't ask for vacation days, no taxes or benefits. It's really a virtual employee that just is scanning data 24-7. Um, not all departments are going to be early adopters, Chris. Something I've learned now running startups, you know, segmenting out your customers is very important and critical to the sales cycle. So I mentioned there's 18,000 departments. We're not targeting all 18,000. We love new chiefs, for example. A new chief coming into a department doesn't have that baggage that you described earlier of like, well, what's on the videos? And am I going to get in trouble or am I going to lose my job because there's some cultural rot or some dirt that happened a year ago that truly is going to surface? So we really focus on new chiefs. The good news for us is there's a new chief on average every 3.1 years at these departments. The turnover is very high. You don't see a lot of chiefs staying beyond three or four years. Um, and so um, we can overcome those obstacles. But you're right. It's very real. Some chiefs are concerned they're worried for their own future that if we find something on the videos that the mayor is going to react very poorly to that. In terms of once you get in there, driving adoption, I mean, does this require training on how this works and getting them educated on why this is beneficial to work with these tools? What does that typically look like? Yeah, we've, we've got a pretty good success team. It's, it's no different than using email. I mean, really, the learning curve is the same, in my opinion. You get an inbox. Your videos are kind of like emails. You can sort by certain keywords or alerts you're looking for. Um, and you go through a little bit of a review queue. What we see is that for every sergeant, they spend about 30 minutes up in the product per week. Some, some do that a little bit every day. Some do it all on Friday, and they'll review their entire queues for the week. Um, it's really up to the department, but it doesn't create a large administrative burden. For us, it's a um, very necessary part of a sergeant's job to mitigate risk for the city because maybe that department's now spent 50 grand on Trulio, but maybe you've just reduced the city's liability by tens of millions of dollars because we're not going to have lawsuits or you know um, severe police misconduct. And so the administrative burden is actually quite low. 
there's no change in the user workflow. The, the cop who has the camera, they just come in and dock their camera like they do every single day. They have no idea that something's happening in the cloud analyzing these videos. So I really like this type of business. It's a business where we're not selling vitamins. You know, these are painkillers we're selling and the data is in the cloud, easily accessible, no change in the user workflow. Um, and it's a business that we can compete on uh, on quality of product and quality of service because the viral coefficient is so high in policing. If you do a good job for one, they tell 50, right? Um, but the problem, Chris, is if you do a bad job, they tell 100. And so we sp spend a lot of time on quality of product and quality of service. So your tool is obviously providing a lot of value in driving better compliance, helping with training, making people aware that they're being watched and keeping them more in line. I think just by knowing that you're there kind of watching mm -hmm. it, right? Um, are there other things when we think about how we could fix some of the policing issues that we do have in this country that you think we can be doing beyond just technology, beyond the toolkits that you have? I think you're uniquely positioned to, to talk on this. I'm just curious if there's any other thoughts you have on other things we can do to continue to improve both compliance, safety, and quality of outcomes within our police force? Yeah, we, number one, we need to make the job honorable again. You know, that's what needs to happen. We need to have trust improve in the police throughout the country. The job needs to become honorable so we can attract the brightest and the best. Um, we cannot lower hiring standards in this country. We should not do that. Um, we saw what happens if you do that in Memphis, you get cops that have criminal backgrounds. Uh, these young cops are given a lot of authority. They're playing clothes. And with no supervision, you get cultural rot. And that's how you beat a man to death on camera. It's ridiculous. And so we need to, uh, as a country, make the job honorable. And we do that, I think, think, through automated supervision. And when we create these baseball card stats on these cops, you start to learn a lot about them. You learn which calls to route certain cops to because they're better at domestics or, uh, you know, better at um, various uh, functions. And I think then you can select for the best cops in your hiring process. You're going to learn a lot from this data. It's no different than what's happening in the Fortune 500 world, Chris. I see every bank, every institution analyzing their employee phone calls, and they do that so they can select and interview and hire for the best people. And I think policing should be no different. So when we think about the business, I, I know one of the, the major challenges when you're dealing with kind of municipalities and, you know, government funded programs is, is challenge of closing them just because they have limited budgets and there tends to be a lot of uh, red tape potentially involved in that. What does the sales cycle look like for this tool? Um, and are there any kind of major challenges that you have faced or has it actually been, you know, easier? It's easier than I thought it would be. So we came from Wall Street, and those are long sales cycles to get through a bank. Um, I think really what you're up against in public safety, uh, it's not that they don't have money. They actually have a lot of money. They've got a lot of these different programs that nobody's using anymore or watching. I think you're up against apathy in the public safety space, just people that, um, you know, it's hard to get certain people to show up to meetings, you know, and you really need to, that's why it's so important to sell painkillers and not vitamins in public safety space. If it's nice to have, uh, then I just think the sales cycle is huge. Um, but in Trulio, I've seen departments sign in as quickly as 30 days, especially if you're under the price point where the chief has the authority to, to purchase a product without taking it to city council. Now, we just closed Aurora, Colorado, and that was for $250,000, and that, that's a high number that the chief needed to take to the city council. 
And so that whole sales cycle was about six months. And um, that's because a lot of different people were involved. And, and um, so I, you know, to me, I think the sales cycle is somewhere between a month, six months, depending on the size of the department. That's a lot shorter than Wall Street, what I'm used to. I think that um, sales cycles are always shortened when the pain you're solving is extreme for the customer. And so we're solving a very extreme pain, which is the chief needs to go to the community and show the community he or she is doing everything possible to improve trust and to improve quality of service in the community. And, um, and so I'm just not, I'm not worried about a six month sales cycle in public safety. There's 18,000 departments, as you mentioned, um, when you think about potential for penetration, um, you know, in the next decade, are we going to see half of these guys use it? Is it going to be everyone? Is it eventually going to become a federal law? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think we're going to follow cameras path, if not a shorter uh, path to penetration. So like I said, body cameras 2012. Today, um, 12 years later, you've got you know roughly like 80% of the country using it. I think it'll be a lot shorter because the camera's already in place and getting hardware deployed is always a lot slower than software. Uh, I absolutely think body camera analytics, to me, it's so obvious uh, it's the future. It's going to happen. It's 100% certain body camera analytics is going to happen in policing. Now, whether Trulio is going to be uh, successful and uh, you know win the lion's share, you know that remains to be seen. That's my job and, and the rest of my team's job to make sure we're the winners. Um, but body camera analytics, I think it, it is going to happen. It's going to be mandated. It's going to become the law. Taxpayers are paying a lot of money for cameras and data storage, and police departments are reviewing none of it. And so that's not sustainable. And as civilian awareness increases, uh, you know, as there's more court cases where analytics are used to find bad cop or to reward good cops, uh, people are just going to come to expect every department gets analytics, and I suspect it'll be mandated. And what we saw this year for the first time ever, the DOJ created some grant money for body camera analytics. Uh, it was a small amount of money relative to the billion dollars they create every year for body cameras. But um, nonetheless, it was the first time they've created federal dollars for body camera analytics. And we're excited. We anticipate that number to expand next year and the years beyond. Are there any competitors in your space or within your niche? Not yet. So uh, in Wall Street, obviously, there's tons of NLP uh, providers like Chorus and Gong and even Salesforce had their product Einstein. Uh, in banking, we would compete against internal bank teams as well. They had very sophisticated data science teams at Goldman and JP Morgan, and they began to view what we were building for them more and more proprietary, and it became um, very important to the bank to keep that technology quiet. In policing, they don't have access to these data scientists. You know, they're not they're not employees of these departments, and so I don't think there's a risk that the departments will build it themselves. Um, I think once the DOJ and the Fed start creating a lot of grant money, that will bring attention to the space, and then I can see yes, you know, other private companies coming into the space. I don't see anybody in the space building this or being competitive with us. Even the camera providers like Motorola and Axon. The reason being is fundamentally they're hardware companies, um, but secondly, they have a lot of revenue to protect, billions of dollars of revenue, and offering an analytics solution like this can sometimes jeopardize some of their existing revenue relationships. So they're they're in a situation where, um, you know, Trulio's best left uh, to validate a category, you know, until they were to do anything about it. Yeah, 
I, I completely agree with you. Um, and the incumbency mindset is, you know, do what you do well and make the money where you can already, right? It, and they have meetings to have meetings to have meetings to talk about the thing Trulio's doing. You know, we're, we're just moving so fast right now that um, I just really think we need to focus on quality product and quality of service and uh, everything's going to work out. When you think about vision for the company, you feel that there would be a need to expand beyond just, you know, kind of the police force video analytics? Is there other groups you'd want to sell to or is there more than enough opportunity here in there's certainly a lot of opportunity, you know, at, at full capacity, you know, it's like one or 2 billion of revenue just on these departments alone in the U S and I think there's a lot of English speaking departments around the world, obviously like UK, Australia, New Zealand, um, next, but I really like the 911 space as well. I think there's a lot of overlap. Uh, there's like, you know, 30, 40,000, um, 911 operators. I could see that job being automated or virtualized using Trulio. I think there's a, I think there's low professionalism problem there as well. And a lot of times civilian call 911 and think they're dealing with a police officer. In fact, that that's just a civilian who's hung up on them or there's some unexplained silence. So I think 911 would be a really natural progression for us to go into. And just thinking more broad term, any profession where you want to measure professionalism. Okay. So like we could become broad enough to just measure general professionalism in call centers, for example. Yep. That I, I love that. I think those are really good kind of adjacent expansionary categories. Um, so in terms of the capital that you're raising right now, where will that be invested in? Um, and as you think about kind of growth and expanding into more uh, police stations right now over the next kind of 12 months, where do you see that going? Chris, so we we um, we raised three million with uh, professional venture capital last year, and then we've raised something around seven hundred thousand um, on Start Engine in the, just the the first couple of months we we launched. We did crowdfunding. It's the first time I've ever done crowdfunding. I've raised a lot of capital throughout my career um, with Series B, Series A's, and and even in exits, all professional VC and some private equity. The crowdfunding thing's new. It's cool. I like it, and I. Um, it, for me, it's very strategic because I need to increase civilian awareness. And for me, it makes sense to put a piece of the company aside for crowdfunding because I'm trying to create activated ambassadors. I want people to buy Trulio and communicate directly with me so I can get them packets and FedEx and materials so they can go to their city council meeting and really help drive adoption of Trulio within their departments and their cities. And so for me, it's, it's uh, very strategic. And ultimately, I think we're a B2C company. I know that sounds strange. Today, I sell the police departments, but ultimately, I think we're going to sell to civilians. And so uh, whether that's city council, how that happens, I, I really do think it's going to be civilians inside these populations that demand um, body camera analytics. We're raising this capital to fund the expansion of our success team. We've now deployed to a bunch of major cities. Uh, their demands and requirements are higher than sort of the smaller departments we started with in California. We've got some really big departments that are going to be announced here soon. And so for, for us, uh, we need to invest in our quality of service. We need to make sure we smother these good departments so that their academic studies produce the best data possible, which I think is going to influence the DOJ and really speed up the time to this gets mandated. To hear it. So for those who are interested in investing um, I guess my last thing would be, where can they go and kind of what's your your final pitch? There? Yeah, I would say, uh, obviously, they can go to our website and click the Invest Now button. 
you can go directly to us on the Start Engine portal. Um, you know, my pitch to them would be that Trulio is in its very early stages. You know, um, this is a $30 million company that I think has a good chance of becoming a $3 billion company. And in doing so, you're investing in a company that you can participate in truly changing the world. This is not, um, you know, we're not manufacturing, uh, you, know, you know, something insignificant here. This is literally manufacturing trust of the police. This is a huge problem in our country. And um, you can be a part of this change that I think is really important. I love that. I, there's certainly a, a social impact element here. And frankly, I, I just think it's it's such a pertinent issue in our society. And the fact that you really are trying to bring, you know, more safety to public safety by investing in better training, better compliance, all of those things. I think that's very, very impactful. So I really appreciate the technology you've built and everything that you're working on. Thank you for what you're doing at Trulio. Um, and as you heard, if you're interested in investing, you go and check them out. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to use the same tools I do to find amazing founders like the ones I have on the show to power your investment decisions, you can head on over to kingscrowd.com backslash startups to try out our Edge Pro Toolkit for 30 days free.